and my fellow Pennsylvanians. This state's electoral votes are key to who wins the presidency, and both of the candidates know it. We win Pennsylvania, we win the whole deal, you know that. Just like last time. But states like Pennsylvania are going to be incredibly important. The only thing left on the board is Pennsylvania. The president cannot get to the finish line without the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. One state all four candidates are visiting today is Pennsylvania. Its 20 electoral votes are highly coveted, and the Keystone State could end up being one of the determining factors in the race. Jill's a Philly girl, but I'm a screen girl. And we're back. I hope you had a great summer. I sure did. Now, this season of Pennsylvania Kitchen Table Politics is going to feature conversations with candidates and operatives who are focused on winning this November in the odd number year. Naturally, all conversations are going to touch on what this year's victories might mean for next November. To give us a big picture of the final sprint of this election season, we're sitting down with Harrison Kahn of City and State. It's a great publication and he does great reporting. His reporting has given him unique perspective on the campaigns and the trends across the Commonwealth. Harrison Kahn, welcome to my kitchen table. Yeah, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Well, thanks for the great reporting you do. I, I start my day with City and State's uh, morning newsletter. Maybe share with folks a little about your background and then your work with uh, with the publication. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm a senior reporter for, for City and State PA. Uh, I'm originally from the Lehigh Valley, uh, a Bethlehem native, similar Valley native Ari here. Uh, we, I I'm from the better, I'm from the better side of the Lehigh river, but <laughs> I got my journalism experience in, in college, actually interning for the morning call briefly. Uh, so spending time in back in my, my hometown area after the morning call, I, I ended up in Harrisburg for briefly covering the, the state capital before up until, uh, right down the pandemic when I, when I moved to Philly and, and joined city and state here. Uh, so yeah, I am Philadelphia based. So largely covering anything related to the General Assembly or City Council or even the congressional delegation in this area. So really uh, just bouncing all over the place, depending on the day. As you mentioned, City and State, we're, we're quite known for our, our first read newsletter that, that comes out every morning, all the statewide and national political news that you could need. And City and State, aside from that, we have a monthly magazine that gets published online and in print, as well as uh, a website that we that we update daily with uh, tons of coverage from Harrisburg, Philly, Pittsburgh, and everywhere in between. Uh, excellent. Well, and thank you. As our democracy gets more fragile, in my opinion, I think there's a direct correlation with newsrooms uh, shuttering, but you guys are quite robust. And shame on any Pennsylvania listeners who don't know about your morning uh, newsletter, but we have many, many national listeners. So they should also, if they have interest in this podcast, they probably have interest in the Commonwealth. And uh, you guys are a great, uh, they're a great stop before 7.30am most mornings. Okay, so we are here as we relaunch uh, the podcast in this new season to talk about the November 2023, not November 2024, elections. Big picture, Harrison, as you look at the landscape uh, in these closing weeks, uh, what 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 are you looking at with your reporter hat on? Uh, specifically, I'm, I'm kind of looking at, and I'm sure from the national perspective, uh, you know, your, your listeners will enjoy this, kind of what trends from this year might mean going into 2024, obviously the presidential and, and some pretty key statewide elections there. Um, so really looking at some of the, if you want to consider the, the bellwether districts or areas, the purple areas outside of Allegheny, uh, Bucks County, the Lehigh Valley, uh, tons of interesting races to watch to see 
uh, you know, what it could mean going forward. Well, I, I think you're alluding to what we're already seeing, that Pennsylvania is going to be the keystone state. It's going to be ground zero for um, the 2024 campaigns, be that the race for the presidency, but also the U.S. Senate control and then some of these state house seats, which are uh, a one or two point difference. But how, just spell it out for listeners, uh, you know, what's on the ballot this year and how do you see a, a direct or indirect correlation between next year? Yeah, uh, some of the, some of the the big races that that people are watching this year uh, involve the courts, Commonwealth Court, Superior Court, and, and the Supreme Court race, uh, for that matter. And and these races obviously uh, relate back to the, the lawsuits that are going through our state, and it, they could um, th- these judges could rule from anything from uh, election and voting laws to we see more recently with the education funding trial and, and voting rights. The these elections although may not flip certain uh, party control of, of these courts, are certainly have a lot of implications for years to come. Well, I think most listeners, uh, I don't think we have many Wisconsin listeners, but most listeners did uh, observe what happened in that state Supreme Court election in Wisconsin earlier this year. And it's just remarkable how much attention is being paid uh, from eyes outside of uh, these states to uh, control of these, these Supreme Courts. So, but we'll leave it to others whether or not judges and justices should be running for election. Um, uh, remind remind folks what, what what these elections look like. What are the parameters? You know, there's some restrictions that judicial candidates have versus legislative uh, candidates. Yeah, specifically uh, with the Supreme Court, there's there's ten year terms and there are no term limits. But the justices must retire at age seventy five. And as we see with with our Supreme Court, uh, the Democrats currently hold a four to two majority. And that seventh spot uh, that was now a vacancy after the, the September 2022 death of former Chief Justice Max Baer, uh, that opening is kind of what's up for grabs this time around. Republican candidate Carolyn Carruccio, if she is able to come through with a victory, it would still be a 4-3 Democratic majority. But uh, all four of the other remaining Democratic incumbents will face either retention or reach their mandatory retirement age by 2027. So as I mentioned before, it might not have a direct impact on the court's control in the near term, but certainly in the long term. And then across the 67 counties with varying degrees of contest and spending, you have races for county offices and then certainly for municipal and school board offices. Uh, maybe you can speak to some of those that you're looking at. Is it? Yeah, you mentioned the purple areas. Is that primarily where you and your colleagues are reporting from? Uh, yeah, we're, we're definitely keeping an eye on a lot of the, personally, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on a lot of the collar counties outside of Philadelphia. Can they, they can often be an indicator of, of where the suburbs are going. And that's a lot of what both Democrats and Republicans are trying to attract uh, in this election cycle, specifically looking at, like you mentioned, school board races, a lot of education policy issues, as well as uh, abortion rights, voting rights, other topics that I had mentioned. Uh, those are still very pertinent even at the local level and we're seeing that with some interesting spending both at the national and the local level when it comes to trying to get the message out along those lines there's obviously not a lot of polling to work with but i suppose one quantifiable crystal ball are voter registration numbers uh if you've taken a look at where total democrats are in the commonwealth versus total republicans have there been any changes since the 2022 election? Yeah, I actually took a look back at the the four-year period going back to 2019. 
And in between then and in 2023, uh, we're seeing Democrats have only increased registration margins uh, in, in only six of the, the state's 67 counties. In Delaware County, that was where they saw the most gains. They increased their margin there by 2.8%. Whereas Republicans in some of these more rural counties, as you expect, had significant gains. Uh, in Greene County, they they increased their margin up to 11%, as well as in Fayette County, they're up to 10.5%. So in terms of statewide, the Democrats in 2019 had about a 9.5% uh, registration margin. And four years later now, we're looking at, it's almost cut in half down to 5.4%. Wow. Okay. I did not know that that level of granularity, but certainly uh, for our, our Washington listeners who, who, who are data geeks, wow, that's remarkable that, that it's been cut uh, like that. And then we have quite a few New York listeners. I know that for a fact. I don't know if they come and canvas and voter register in the Lehigh Valley, but that is known to happen every uh, even number year. So uh, we should certainly uh, look and examine those numbers. I would also encourage listeners, it's really interesting that Delaware County leads the way. We, we had a great conversation before the 2022 election with Congresswoman Scanlon, who's from there, and then uh, earlier in the history of the show with uh, the party uh, leaders of Delaware County Democrats. Um, so they're, they're doing something right, it sounds like. It doesn't, doesn't measure up, I guess, in other counties. Um, okay, so where, where, where would you like to start with some of the, uh, the more marquee local races? Uh, we can we can jump right into Bucks because I, I think there are some some interesting registration trends there as well. So what's yeah what what remind folks what's on the ballot in Bucks County and then remind folks where Bucks County is. I don't want to assume everyone knows. Yeah, Bucks County is uh, it's in the southeast. It's one of those collar counties that I had mentioned. But interestingly enough, it is the only collar county in that southeast Philadelphia region that is uh, turning more red rather than turning more blue. In, in 2021, Democrats had a roughly 10,500 uh, voter registration advantage over Republicans. Uh, but as of last night, that's also, as of last month, been cut by more than half. And now the, the Democrats have just under uh, 5,000 uh, voter registration advantage over over Republicans. And, and this particularly comes into play with the, the county commissioner's race that, that everybody's looking at here. Yeah, so the context of, of the history there really sets up this race as an early look at what might happen in Bucks and how that might indicate how things are going into 2024. Uh, we have Democratic incumbents Bob Harvey and Diane Marsiglia. Marsiglia is seen as kind of a shoo-in. Uh, she, she seems to be largely a safe seat. Then we have Republican incumbent Dean Girolamo alongside newcomer uh, Republican Pamela Von Blanc, who is currently the, the county controller. Uh, and this race is is largely seen as a two-person race between Harvey and Von Blanc because the top three vote-getters uh, ensure their spots on the board with the minority party earning one spot, majority party earning two. So it's seen as a safe spot for Marsiglia and a safe spot for D. Girolamo. So like I had mentioned, it's down to Harvey and Von Blanc, who at this point According to some of the internal polling that I was able to obtain through a, a memo, uh, Harvey's campaign is a little concerned about the those voter registration numbers, as I mentioned, as well as uh, fundraising numbers, where they they seem to be at least a million dollars shy of where they wanted to be to to meet their digital and, and TV ad goals. 
Well, and I know this race has gotten a, a bit of national attention. Uh, Politico did a fairly lengthy profile on it. It is one of the few seats across the country that is held by a Republican congressman, but was won by President Biden and before that by the Clinton uh, team. So it is absolutely uh, as purple as can be up there. And, and there's a lot on the line, right? I mean, the Bucks County has a population larger than some states. So where else uh, uh, should we be uh, focused on? Personally, I'm, I'm also focused on the Philadelphia races. I know a lot of the city council races mostly are left up for, for Democrats because it is a seven to one registration advantage for, for Democrats in the city. Um, but there's a couple of interesting races between uh, Republicans and working family parties candidates. And it is a kind of a similar situation to Bucks where the non-majority party is guaranteed at least two seats on council uh, from the at-large perspective. And Kendra Brooks is an incumbent working families party candidate who already kind of stole that one non-majority seat from Republicans a few years ago. And now her running mate, Nick O'Rourke, is trying to steal that second seat, uh, which was once held by David O, who resigned, obviously, to run as the Republican nominee for, for mayor. So there's an interesting dynamic there, whereas a third party is trying to uh, kind of take the last couple of spots that the Republicans have uh, within the city. And maybe it's a bad comparison, but this is maybe akin to Senator Bernie Sanders, who's not a registered Democrat, caucusing with the Democratic Party in the Senate. So the Working Family Party maybe is looking through a somewhat similar lens to Philadelphia Democrats. Is that Accurate. Yeah, and they certainly had a, a large uh, on the ground movement, like, like a grassroots really movement here within Philly just to, to try to boost up these progressive candidates. And, and we've seen them when not even just in, in city council, but we've seen some progressive upsets with the General Assembly seats. Uh, more recently, we saw Nikhil Saval uh, take that state Senate seat away from uh, a longtime Democratic incumbent. Where else as we move out of the southeast? In the southeast, uh, there's there's also some really interesting races out west. If you wanted to look towards Allegheny County, there's another county race for executive out there. Sarah Inamorato, who more recently was known as, as a progressive uh, state legislator, is now seeking uh, the county executive role going up against Rocky, who is a Republican. In that case, again, in, in more of an urban area, it should be the Democrats' race to lose, but it seems to still be quite an interesting battle between a more progressive-minded Democrat and what could, could be centered a more moderate Republican. No, I would definitely encourage listeners, it might seem dated now, but we had lengthy conversations with each of the um, candidates for the Democratic uh, County Executive spot, uh, including Sarah, who, um, you're right, I think uh, it's not necessarily a shoe-in, and there's definitely a contest uh, for this County Executive spot, as well as the District Attorney out there. Uh, we did not speak with any of the candidates, but um, there's I think an interesting dynamic. Okay, where 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 else in the Commonwealth shall we uh, boomerang and take listeners to? Well, I actually wanted to take a step back and mention uh, a, a national statewide ad campaign, if you, if you don't mind. This this kind of broke more recently uh, from the the Washington Post. President Joe Biden is is kind of breaking new ground. He is now doing a twenty five million dollar ad buy in, in swing states over the next 16 weeks, including Pennsylvania, obviously, as one of those those swing states. But it's particularly unusual because a large campaign, a large re-election campaign for a president usually does not kick in until later on in the cycle, particularly considering that we 
aren't even in the calendar year yet of what the election or when the election will take place. Just for comparison's sake, uh, during Trump's re-election campaign in 2020, he didn't do any television ad buys until October 2020, just a month out from the election. And Obama's re-election, uh, he ended up buying ads about seven months out in, in March of 2012. So it's yeah, definitely we're, we're over 400 days away and buckle up Pennsylvania. I don't think you're going to be able to turn on your television or for that matter, your radio or YouTube or anything without hearing from uh, political candidates. Oh, yeah. And they're largely uh, talking the same issues. We're talking safety, you know, public safety, police, as well as education had maybe talked about. And uh, the big one that everyone's talking about is the, the economy and inflation. You've been very generous with your time as we take you off uh, your beat. You think we're going to know on election night or it seems in recent years that Pennsylvania can't have a full tally until Wednesday, if not even Thursday? Yeah. For the, the sake of us in this industry, I hope the, the the results come in on election night. But I've actually been relatively surprised by how quickly uh, we've been able to get results. I mean, just looking back to the, the primary in May, I, I didn't expect the, the Philadelphia mayoral primary to be decided for even a couple of days because we really thought it was going to be a close race. But as Sherelle Parker ended up kind of running away with it, we, we, we got news that it was called by, I want to say, 11 p.m. that night, which was very surprising. Well, I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be certainly looking forward to your morning newsletter put together by you and your colleagues uh, in the final weeks of this campaign, and uh, yeah, certainly on that Wednesday after Election Day. Um, so, thanks very much for the work you're doing and for your uh, perspective. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Pennsylvania Kitchen Table Politics. Take a minute and leave us a rating and review on your podcast platform. Please also consider following us on social media for updates and announcements regarding future episodes and new guests. You're political, so I am sure that you're on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram. We are too at PA Political Podcast. Visit our website, PAPoliticalPodcast.org, and send us your feedback about this episode and suggestions on future guests. Until next week.